0: Welcome to the Arabian Traveler Poetry. This is Mohammed Bader. We will be hearing today from Zach Beach on the topic of unconditional love. Zach Beach is a love coach with a master's degree in psychology. He is the best-selling author of the Seven Lessons of Love. He authored three books of poetry collections, He's also the founder of the Heart Center Love School and the host of the Learn to Love podcast. He has taught and coached thousands of couples and individuals how to deepen their love and connection. How are you, Hamma? glad really to um finally meet you this was really exciting uh finding you i have found a lot about you and, and i appreciate the the whole concept of unconditional love um mm. that you are working on uh, and i know that you also teach yoga and, and teach various things so uh for the audience i just uh, wanted to um have you just introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about um uh, what what got you into um, uh, the topic of love?
1: Mm. Yeah, so thanks so much, Mohammed, for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation, and thank you, listeners, for listening to this show. Just today, I was editing one of my own podcasts, and I was like, "Wow, this is a lot of work." <laughs> so I appreciate that you are doing this, that you are putting this out into the world, and really promoting poetry and love and different things like that. So. For those wanting to learn a bit about me, it's true. If you look on my driver's license, it will tell you my name is Zach Beach. I am based in the San Francisco Bay Area. If you go to my website, it will tell you that I am a yoga and meditation teacher, an author, a poet, and a love coach. But really, I'm just like you. I'm just trying to live in line with my truth and my heart. And that to me is all about the path of love. And I think of my mission in the world as meant to bring more love into it and help others on their path of discovering the love that they have inside and manifesting and bringing that love outside. That, that I don't think there's awesome. anything particularly yeah. special about me, other than I just live with an intention to love more every you, day. You
0: seem to be uh, what we call mood congruent. You know, I mean, that's really the ultimate is to to really be. Um, in sync and in harmony um mm. on in the inside and the outside and, and i know i heard some of your podcasts where you've um worked in in biotech and had an injury and that led you to yoga i was wondering mm. if you can talk a little bit about how you've crossed that journey from um you know being like the rest of us you're you're consumed with your work and that success and and that uh, and then moving to that passion and, and doing something you love.
1: Mm. Yeah, you've done your research, Muhammad. I really appreciate it. And it is true that before this path of love, I was very, living a very different life. And to me, when I think about what spiritual practice is, it's a combination of two things. One, a reflection of what really matters most in our life. And two, trying our best to live in line with those values. And it is true that I did injure my back many years ago. And I do remember I went to my physical therapist and they were like, you should try yoga. And at the time I was like, ha, yoga. <laughs> I can breathe and stretch by myself. I don't need to go to some class. But that to me was the beginning of my spiritual path of reflecting on what matters and living in line with those values. And once I began this process, I realized that what truly matters most in life is love, that we are on this planet planet to love, that all of us, you, me, everyone that we ever meet in this life needs a connection, needs a feeling of connection and belonging from birth until death. So my path has been a deepening and an expanding of that intention. Because the power of intention is, is how open-ended it is, unlike a goal, which is often a future-directed point that you are working towards. And intention is something that you get to set and then explore in a million and one ways. And I do think of my work in the world as being on the level of the body, the heart, the mind, and the spirit. So on the level of the body, I love teaching yoga, getting people in touch with their bodies. And the level of the heart, that's where poetry comes in, which I think of as the language of the heart. The level of the mind is where my coaching and writing comes in. And of course, the level of the spirit is that unexpressible reality of our existence that we can get in touch with by uniting all these elements.
0: Well, uh, talk about um, poetry as mm. and, and love and, and the heart. And so uh, I know you've just published a book called Pebbles, mm-hmm. and uh, I just wanted to have you talk a little bit uh, to us about pebbles and and perhaps read Uh, this podcast is mainly about poetry and I'm a lot of it I'm trying to focus on Arabic um, uh, poetry also and uh, Mm. uh, and uh, later on I'd like to read something uh, for you from Gibran on love and see like what's your thoughts on that but Ah. maybe uh, for now you can maybe um, just tell us about pebbles and if you'd like to read us um, Mm. uh, a couple poems from it uh, and and kind of let us know you know why you chose those poems and what they Mm. represent to you.
1: Yeah it's so wonderful this work that you're doing because I do think of poetry as being both an amplification and a clarification of what it means to be human and poetry is the art of expressing the inexpressible and it's so wonderful that you focused on Arabic poetry because my brother-in-law, he's Iranian and Persian and and sometimes I'm like, I should just learn Farsi and learn some of these languages so I can read Rumi or read Hafiz or read Debran in their original language because there's a saying that all translations are lies, right? Because there's no way to perfectly translate any of these words. But it's true.
0: I tried to translate <laughs> my poetry and it... It doesn't really capture it very well in English.
1: So, that's
0: mm. um, I actually ended up creating another podcast just in Arabic language
1: because okay,
0: I, I was having a hard time um, translating it very well.
1: Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I love poetry, and after many years of reading it and sharing it in my workshops and classes, I was really feeling called to write my own. So I'm super excited about my latest poetry collection, it's my third one, it's called Pebbles, and it's really just meant to reflect a greater level of peace and contentment that we find in the maturation of our spiritual life and a refinement of our attention to the here and now in this moment. I do think of it as almost like a peaceful walk in the woods with a teacher or a guru, as they point out this ocean of small beauties around us. I'm often reminded of a story of a great meditation teacher who would wake up at 3.30 a.m. every morning to walk to the meditation temple. And when people asked him why he was so dedicated and focused on his spiritual practice, he simply said, I meditate so I can notice the flowers on my way to the temple each morning." And that to me is what this book is all about, about appreciating all the beauty that is all around us all the time. The Pebbles is both meant to conjure up an image of a Zen garden, the way that it represents simplicity and emptiness and potentiality, and also meant to conjure up an image of like a creek with clear water running through it. And you can see down into the water at the pebbles, getting smoothed over by the rocks. One huge inspiration for this book was also the work of Mary Oliver, who many of your listeners who are into poetry are probably familiar with. And I even remember reading one of her books on writing poetry, and she said, there's a big difference between a rock and a stone. And in the dictionary, these might be synonyms, but a rock A rock is very hard, jagged, right? But a stone is something smooth, like it's been eroded by water. And that to me is also what pebbles is, these small little nuggets, these little gems of wisdom that we can bring into our life to really see the world around us in a new way. And so many of the poems are very short. They get longer as it goes on because the third section is about petals, like petals on a flower, so things get longer. And I'll just mention one here. And it goes like this. The river shapes the banks. The banks hold the river. As the brain gives rise to thinking, thinking shapes the brain. You make your path by walking it. Obstacles become part of the path. Take this world by the hand, hear the music, and dance together, not knowing who is leading.
0: Beautiful. Very beautiful.
1: Yeah, so a huge inspiration was also the concept of Wu Wei, which you might know, the Japanese word, which again, doesn't have a perfect translation, but I also often think of it as effortless action, a total dropping of self-consciousness to align ourselves with the natural flow and harmony of life. And that to me is what that poem is all about.
0: I worked, uh, because I used to work way long, long time ago with, uh, used to be a a mental health consultant, which is now Mm -hmm. called behavioral health. And I used to work with a psychiatrist who used to say action by inaction. Yes. You know, it's like very, uh, very um, beautiful. And I think, you know, um, I appreciate. Um, let's hear another um, poem from you. And in, in the, I want to uh, maybe you can also tell us a little bit about, you know, what prompted you to read that poem and what's the meaning behind it for
1: you? Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I should probably just read the poem. None of these have titles because a huge inspiration from the book was minimalism, simplicity. I often think about that quote from The Little Prince, that perfection is not when nothing can be added, but when nothing can be taken away. So even when writing, I was like, what words can I take out here? If there's a multi-syllabic word, can I reduce it to a smaller word, right? So this poem, in my mind, is titled Pebbles, even though there's no actual title. And it goes, look for the pebbles in your life, the small ones making big waves, those abiding in rivers of light, those in candy wrappers, spring buds, and raindrops those resting in the night sky and carried by church bells, those handed to you by minds new to the world and become new to the world, born every moment as if each blade of grass was singing, there is more joy here than we can ever know. Very beautiful, very beautiful. And, um,
0: For folks who would like to get um, a copy, you can also let us know at the end like where uh, people can uh, get a copy. Uh, But uh, if people want to get this book, uh, I know I got it through a website. uh, How do you, do you have any idea for people where to get it from?
1: Oh yeah, Amazon. (laughs) <laughs> the yes. biggest bookseller in the world you can get it yeah. on in paperback and on kindle so that's the best way to do it you can also find the link through my website zachbeach.com both the homepage and there's a page on the book itself that you can click on that it will take you take you to the book so it's
0: a beautiful work i want to switch a little bit in the talk go back to talking about love and i know you work with with uh, individuals, couples, men, Mm -hmm. women, and uh, groups um, to deepen love. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. I just wanted to have you talk a little bit about your practice and and how do you do do that? And if you have individuals or couples come to you, what kind of issues are you working on with them? What kind of advice you give for couples um, to deepen their love Mm -hmm. and relationships?
1: Yeah. Happy to talk about it. I'll preface it by saying that, you know, I work with people a number of ways. I have group classes and workshops. There's online courses and audio courses folks can take. I even have my own podcast called Learn to Love. But absolutely one of my favorite ways to work with people is one-on-one or one-on-two. This is a couple that I'm working with and as a love coach we're not here to give advice we're not here actually to give anything because one of the path, one of the lessons we find on the path is we already have everything we need within us and it is a matter of just bringing that out bringing out that capacity to love so often it's just a matter of having the person reflect on what they're really looking for what the heart is trying to say And getting them to communicate that from the heart and I work with people at every stage from the beginning of finding a romantic relationship like dating all the way to being in a long-term relationship for the rest of their life and also alternative and sexual minorities you know helping people maybe have multiple relationships if they're into things like polyamory and um It's really wonderful work. And one of the biggest questions that always comes up is where do I begin? Right? Where do I begin if I want to open my heart, if I want to bring more love into my life? And I usually begin by saying that our love begins with our uh, attention, which is something that we can refine something like meditation or something like yoga or just something like a loving relationship. Because the first thing And first step to being there for somebody is actually being there. (laughs) And this is one of the (laughs) hardest things for any of us to be able to do because rarely are we actually where we are, right? Right, We're thinking about the future. We're thinking about the past. We're thinking about our to-do lists. When we're listening to somebody, rarely are we listening. We're often waiting for them to stop speaking so that we can say what we want to say. And I'm, when we do want to deepen connection with somebody that connection is only ever going to happen in the present moment So that involves being able to fully be there with someone be that ear to listen shoulder to cry on and that involves focusing our attention taming the monkey mind letting the mind become calm so that we can fully receive somebody with our full body heart and mind so everyone says communication is important in relationships but Communication is a two-way road. It's not just um, talking. It's also receiving, validating, empathizing. So that's one of the biggest first steps that happens when you do like, work, work with couples, for example, is really just to get them to listen to each other, to mirror back, to validate what the other person is experiencing, to change it from us or to change it from me versus you to us versus the problem. Right to honoring both people's subjective realities.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Uh, I wanted to um, just uh, quickly. I know you know most holy books, poets, different people said a lot of things about uh, love, and um, I started. I I'm a, uh, done a lot of work it early in my life on Gibran and William Blake, actually. And uh, mm. so I thought maybe Such I a just. a big
1: fan of Blake. <laughs> and when you say uh, Gibran, you mean Khalil Gibran? Khalil Gibran, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so I thought I, I was kind of reflecting back on what did um, Gibran say on love. But I wanted to read this one little uh, couple lines for you and see um, what's your reflection on it as you work on love. Um, This is from a poem I believe he has on love, uh, on marriage, actually. When you love, you should not say, God is in my heart, but rather, I am in the heart of God. Mm. And think not, you can direct the course of love. For love, if it finds you worthy, directs your course. Mm. I just wanted you to kind of reflect on that and see, like, how does that, as you're working with couples and as you, uh, to me, like, I was just thinking, maybe you're just saying, you just cannot force love or you have to give it its time. And I think I heard you say reflecting and listening to each other, um, but uh, just maybe your reflections on it.
1: Hmm. Oh, wow. Where to begin? That's such a wonderful quote. And I could only hope that I would ever be even a fraction of the eloquence (laughs) of those words that you just said. It's interesting. One poem that didn't make it in the book was about seven words. The title was Aim. And it goes like this. Our aim is not to be in love, but to be in love. (laughs) (laughs) And what I mean by that is kind of what DeBron was saying, is that we often think that we are like an entity that is loving somebody else. It's as an action that we are doing. And we can shift our perspective to actually being in that love together, right? So often we think with our partnership, I, as a separate entity, am loving you as a separate entity. You, as a separate entity, are loving me. But that's just the first step. And as we progress in our love, we want that illusion of separation to dissolve. Yeah. And so the second step is we move from I love you to simply loving. There is loving happening right here to finally all of this reality is love, is that that loving. So... Earlier, you mentioned about, you asked me about my path. And one thing I discovered is that love is why we are here. And this is something that I found in the lecture hall at university and at the church, at the temple. And, you know, in one of the verses from the Bible, it says, we know God through love for God is love. And that loving creative force is the fundamental energy of the whole universe so we are able to shift from i need to try to love you or i am loving you to i am that love (laughs) and the i is an illusion and the love we can simply rest in and that is the same path that takes us to the ultimate love of all the supreme power of all which is the unifying force that God is. Wonderful. I uh, want to also
0: reflect on, I, I heard one of the podcasts you had, and I, I can't remember the country will come to me, but uh, I think you talked in there about the the power of really being positive, that, that when you're not positive, it seemed to me like you were doing a training in a country where a lot of people were complaining about, the either the weather or the food and then Mm -hmm. and there was only this one person who started to say oh how wonderful this is the best trip in my life Mm -hmm. and I have to say I was listening to that I was driving uh, with my wife because I was like I was like oh I need to really shift my attitude (laughs) Mm. because in a lot of times you know we seem to focus on the negative and that kind of clouds um, our relationships whether whether it's love or whether it's relationship. Um, So I just want to say, I appreciated that uh, reminder there. And, uh, and the other thing I wanted to say, like, and then maybe you can comment on them both. um, uh, If you've referenced like a study that uh, happened uh, somewhere in Germany around when people are um, depressed, they don't see color. So mm. I, I was hoping that you talk about that in hopes to help, um, our audience to find a way out of that depression or n- negative, um, frame of mind. And I'm not talking about the type of depression that needs a, you know, psychopharmacological help or psychiatry, mm. but, you know, how can we use kind of, um, you know, some of the principles you use, whether it's a body movement or poetry or Mm. yoga to really get unstuck. um.
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to address many of those things. So first, what comes to mind is there's this lovely book called Spiritual Evolution by the Harvard professor, George Vaillant, And his main thesis in the book is a very interesting one where he argues that, spirituality, religion is not rooted in dogma, rote belief, ritual, memorizing texts. It's simply rooted in positive emotion and social connection. And if you want to learn about happiness, joy, ecstasy, awe, wonder, you're not going to find it at the university positive psychology is such a is an in, in its infancy right if yeah. you want to go learn about these things ecstatic love unconditional love joy you're going to find that on the spiritual path and you also find other people on the same path on this path of deepening and expanding our capacity for love so Religion also offers a lovely container of community. And when you did bring up this idea of depression, there can be many causes, some of it chemical. But as human beings, we are social beings. Our most popular websites are social networks, right? We need connection. We need belonging. So there's another study that came out of Harvard that looked at people over the course of 80 years to see what factors led to longevity, health, wellness over time. Was it exercise? Was it diet? And they found with undeniable evidence that the quality of one's relationships was the biggest factor for mental health, emotional health, and physical health and longevity so this isn't necessarily the silver bullet but we are wired to connect and wired to love so I sometimes do wish that if somebody went to the doctor and they were like I'm depressed can I have some Prozac or something like that they might it might help but usually, what they need is a prescription to reach out to a friend and express their appreciation, to call their mom to find a group, a community that they can meet with um, regularly and to share in these struggles, because that's one of the biggest symptoms of depression is feeling like one is alone, like they're the only ones that are experiencing what they are experiencing but I encourage anyone going through any challenge in their life that you are not alone in whatever challenge that is. And there are other people who are going through, have gone through and will go through exactly what it is that you are going through. So an important piece of compassion is just recognizing our common humanity. So when we do think about that positive emotion that is at the root of much religion and spirituality, We do begin to realize that we do not see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And this is something I've really been exploring in my own path, particularly as I've gotten deeper into um, Indian philosophy and spiritual practices, because yoga is simply one of the 10 or 11 ancient philosophical schools of India all of which are described as darshanas or darshan. And darshan means worldview or way of seeing, which is to say when you look out into the world, what is it that you see? And if you really want to begin to change the world, it's really quite simple. You simply change how you view it. So if you are hungry, of course, all you're going to see are billboards for food. If you are horny, all you're going to see is people you want to get with. But if you have love and compassion in your heart, that will also shift your perspective. And what you see in the world will be a reflection of your own mental state. And yes, as you mentioned, this is scientifically verified. They have found that people with depression are literally able to identify less color. There's less saturation um, that they're able to experience. Um, But... it's our darshan that really expresses our worldview. You know, when you look at a tree, do you see a species undergoing photosynthesis or do you see a manifestation of mother earth offering a gift and a home to countless creatures? Right. And that's, what's so important yeah. for me lately is being able to see the world through the eyes of love, kindness, compassion, joy, empathy, awe, wonder.
0: Well, this had been really a uh, wonderful, I, I appreciate, it. I, I, uh... The time that uh, you have given me. I think as a last um maybe word or two words in in your own words, I know that you're uh wanting to uh let the world know about um that you're committed to building uh unconditional love and connection. Uh maybe we can uh end with uh, uh, one of your poems there and uh We'll sign off after that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'll end. This poem isn't from Pebbles. If you wouldn't mind, I'll share another one I wrote a long time ago. And I always modify it just a little bit. It's like a story that you tell differently each time. But I love leaving people with a message. And I want that message to be that you, listener, are a miracle, you are unique. In all the world, there was no one like you. In the millions of years that have passed, and the millions of years that will come, there will never be anyone exactly like you. And I know sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget our own magnificence and the wonder of being alive. And during those sometimes, you have to write letters to yourself so that later when you can't stand the dimples around your lips or the peely skin around your eyes or the way Your cheekbones make your face look like a bag of marshmallows. Stop. A letter comes in the mail that says, I don't know you, but one time I saw a gorgeous sunset in Yosemite cast gorgeous and rays across the sky and that lit the clouds on fire. Well, that's nothing compared to your touch and your kindness and the way your nose wrinkles when you're thinking. If there's one thing that keeps us all connected, it's imperfection. And we all wanna follow our dreams, but sometimes dreams only uh, we can only see through the corners of our eyes and dewdrops form in those same corners. And it makes me sad to think that the white tiger no longer exists in the wild. And to think that there is only one of you redefines the meaning of preciousness. So please, whatever you do, don't cut yourself. And I don't mean just on the surface, I mean, don't cut yourself down, sell yourself short or picture your being as anything less than the dancing wildness of pure ecstasy. So momentarily captured in a few layers of skin, polish and beauty.
0: That's outstanding. And thank you so much, Zach. Uh, One last time, maybe you can tell us um, about your website and how people can find you Mm -hmm. as we sign off.
1: Yes. Thank you, thank you, Mohammed. Thank you, listeners. My name is Zach Beach. If any of the words I resonated, any of the words I said resonated with you today, you can find me at zachbeach.com. And
0: thank you for listening. It was truly a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to meet Zach Beach. If you love this show, if you like to hear more, please comment, follow, and let me know. This is truly a labor of love, and I do not get compensated for this. So, the only thing I'm asking you to do is to follow, like, or comment so that I know that I'm making a difference. And remember, for every high... There is a low. And for every laughter, there is a tear. And it's perfectly normal and it's perfectly okay. This is Mohammed Bader, the Arabian traveler. Until we meet again.